When trials sweep into our lives, they bring a lot of questions. That's why we're setting some time aside today on Focal Point to sit down with Pastor Mike Fabares. He's going to give us a biblical perspective for the hard times. Welcome to a special edition of Focal Point. I'm your host, Dave Drewy. Now, you may have heard us talking recently about Mike Fabares' book called Lifelines for Tough Times, God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. It's a book that grew out of a personal trial, one that drove Pastor Mike to look for answers in the pages of God's Word. KKLA radio host Frank Sontag sat down with Pastor Mike to talk about his book. Let's listen in as they discuss those defining moments culminating in Lifelines for Tough Times. I love the analogy of lifelines. It speaks so loudly, uh, you know, as somehow we're in the middle of the ocean drowning and somebody throws that lifeline out to right. us. That's right. Talk about your book. Well, the book is based really on a story of my own struggles and my own hurts, primarily uh, in our family. My wife and I were expecting our third child. And uh, the day we went in to find out whether we were having a daughter or a son, we found out we were having a daughter. And within about five seconds of that declaration by the the tech there, she said, well, we have some serious problems here. And she walked out and we waited for the doctor and found out that our daughter uh, prenatally had some serious problems. First, she was misdiagnosed. They said her brain was not forming. She had uh, anencephaly, which wasn't uh, didn't turn out to be the case. Uh, but it was interesting because everybody, the genetic counselor, the uh, the doctor, everybody said, well, we just need to schedule you for an abortion then. That's what we need to have happen because this child isn't going to make it. And then it became, well, she may make it, but she'll be severely retarded. She will not be able to function in life well. Let's get that abortion scheduled. And that, <laughs> that was what we were hit with right out of the gate. And, uh, of course, that was not an option for us. We recognize that God is the giver of life, and it wasn't uh, up to us to decide uh, whether to end that life or not. Uh, that life was given by God, and we were going to do all we could to nurture and care for it. And if the only home that life knew was inside my wife's body, well, then we weren't going to intrude with the abortionist tools. So we said, we're going to carry this through. And sure enough, a lot of these diagnoses were wrong. And we got to the place where we had a specialist deal with us and say, you know, what's going on with your daughter here uh, is, uh, is more of a traditional problem, if I can say that, a very common uh, genetic problem of uh, spina bifida where the, the spine did not close properly and she's got a serious problem that has then caused this water on the brain as they used to call it hydrocephalus and it had swollen the ventricles in her brain so large it had just compacted all of her brain against the side the inside of her cranium so it was a serious problem uh, we've got a lot of challenges we've got surgeries we're going to have to schedule we've got a lot to do here but uh, you know let's see this through and watch what happens and of course as, as a pastor as a Christian uh, you know, I'm calling out to God for help and perspective. And of course, a lot of people are praying for God just to fix this problem, yeah. praying for God to do something miraculous. Uh, and while God did not do something miraculous in the sense that we think of where, you know, my daughter was born 100% healthy, he certainly providentially and kindly and mercifully allowed my daughter to be born with great medical care, with a series of surgeries that were able to help modify the problems and get her on a path 
uh, to uh, a functioning life. And I, I mean, she's beat all of the uh, the expectations of the doctors and has done well. Uh, and she's uh, 12 years old today. This was some time ago. And she's uh, thriving and doing pretty well. She's, she's paralyzed from the knees down, uh, can't get around like the rest of us the way that we are. She's got some permanent uh, fixtures that the surgeons have put in in her brain. She has a shunt in her brain. She uh, has had to have reconstructive surgery on her lower limbs. Uh, and, and, and yet you sit across the table with her and she's a, uh, you know, a, a intelligent, loving, wonderful little girl. And we, we can't imagine life without her. But it was in that tough time. Uh, I started preaching a series of sermons that I knew everyone's hurting. Everybody struggles with something. And those sermons were just so uh, well received by so many people. Uh, Harvest House publishers came and said, you know, we'd like you to turn that into a book. And so many years later, I put together some of those thoughts, relived some of that. And uh, we just put this book together. Uh, we use biblical principles that are the lifelines to get us through those tough, turbulent times. And uh, you get to learn a little bit about our struggle and the biblical principles that will help gird up anybody, re- regardless of what your problem is. This is more of a book to give you perspective in your trial than just telling my story. My story was just the backdrop for this book. But really what I've, what I've learned to do through the years is just take what the Bible has to say. And of course, as a pastor, I'm always helping people through some trial or struggle and be able just to say, listen, God's got a way to get you through this. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to give up. You have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, and he will give you the perspective that you need. A lot of that is expectation, uh, and a lot of the things that we need in the church, fellowship. There's so many things in this book that will help people ground themselves so that they can keep their faith in tough times and not waver like so often we're tempted to do when we're really hurting. The book is Lifelines for Tough Times. Your daughter is 12 now, so we're talking about a bit of time between all of this happened and now. How was that for you to go back and put these thoughts together and open the Holy Word. And I mean, I imagine you had to go back to maybe some areas that maybe weren't so great to go back and were tough right. times right. for you. Right. No, that's right. And and what's interesting about that, one of the things we do in Scripture is learn to look ahead. A lot of the things that we go through, we need to say, okay, it's happened. We're in this situation. Now we need to look forward, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on ahead. So for me to go back to that, was not something I was used to doing every year, every month, every week. I mean, this was something that we had had dealt with in terms of what we could do in the midst of this trial, and we were looking forward. So it was. It was a bit of a, a, a difficult thing to go back and relive all of that. And yet, in many ways, just as Christians helping other Christians, and certainly as a pastor in a church with lots of hurting people, uh, you know, in, in many ways, I draw on the comfort that I received. This is Second Corinthians chapter 1 now I'm quoting. I'm drawing on that comfort that I received in the midst of my dark times to be able to bring that comfort to other people. And so in a way, we're always taking what we learned in our darkest days to be able to help those in their dark trials. But it was hard. It was a difficult time to go back and kind of put this now into writing and to talk about the difficulty of this and the hopelessness of this being in the you know prenatal ICU, not knowing what's going to happen next, the infection with spinal surgery and brain surgery. I mean, these were two surgeries she had in her first 
first week of life and the, the, the difficulties of not knowing whether this child that you love so much is going to survive another, another day, another week. And as I've often said, sometimes the hardest kind of suffering is not the suffering that happens in our lives, but to the ones that we love. And you know that, Frank, when you're looking at someone you desperately love and they're in pain and you feel hopeless that you can't do anything about it. And you pray your prayers and you're wondering, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And I think in some ways that brings up the basic questions of Christian theology. And that is, how can God be a good God, know everything, have all power, and here's a God I'm assuming knows my situation, and he's got the power to stop it, and he doesn't change it. How do we deal with that? The book really deals with that question in a way that's not super theological. It's not difficult to read. It probably, I've written several books, probably the most simple book I've written in terms of understanding what I'm trying to say in very simple terms, and yet I'm dealing with some of the most thorny and difficult, complex theological problems that we have. How can we affirm a good God with all this bad in the world. And when it hits our lives, man, we ask that question in a brand new way. Mike, I want to ask you, and again, you're, look, I'm not just saying this. You're one of our best and anointed pastors here in Southern California. You know the Word of God. You preach it well and clear. And churches are filled with people that are broken, just like pastors are broken, if we're really honest here. And yet we've got the Word. We know the answers are in the Word and yet we still struggle with life's everyday challenges. Talk a bit about some of the ways in which we can go to the Holy Word of God and comprehend He's got the blueprint right there for these tough times. Yeah, well, right out of the gate, one thing I do in the first chapter is remind us that our expectations play such a big role in this. You know, I I could sit here and say, well, I'm a pastor. I'm serving God. That's what I've trained to do. I've been doing that my whole life. Why would I have a disabled daughter? Right? Should I be exempt from that? Doesn't it work this way? You do good things, good things happen to you, right? I mean, that's how we often think. And unfortunately, many times we'll get Bible verses thrown at us that make us think that's how it's supposed to be. And yet there's a whole other series of Bible verses that people don't often look at I don't often preach on, but it reminds us that being a Christian does not exempt us from the difficulties of life. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 3, when sin takes place and enters the world, Here is God saying, well, here's something that's going to happen now. We're going to have a kind of of rearrangement of the very fabric of life. The ground itself is going to bear thorns and thistles, right? And now to go out and do something good, you're going to have to work through all the difficulty of the thorns in life. And not only that, you're made from the dust of the earth, which he just cursed in Genesis 3. And he said, from dust you've been made and to dust you'll return. And that dust now, those materials, that material of our lives, we're subject to disease and decay and aging and death. And those are things that we have to think, well, can't God just give us a pass on all that? So the expectations are so key. I have to think about the place I go uh, to eat from time to time after church. And in the parking structure where the restaurant is, my family likes to go to, there's a gym and there's a day spa right? There's both. And and I sometimes see people getting out of the car with a gym bag, and I don't know where they're going. Are you going to the gym? Or are you going to the spa? And I think to myself, well, wouldn't it be terrible if someone brought you there and didn't tell you, just said, bring a change of clothes, bring your gym clothes, and, and, and you thought you were going to the spa, and instead you get turned into the gym? See, that's the problem. Now, if you know you're going to the gym, When you get off the couch and you get ready to go and you head down there and you park your car, you take a deep breath, you get out and you say, I'm going to the gym. 
and I know the end result is good. I'm doing this, and in the end, it's going to work out. That's what Romans 8, 28 says, right? It's going to work together for good, but I know it's going to be hard. In this world, you have tribulation. Now, if I know I'm going to go to the gym, I get ready for that. I gear up for that. I do what Peter said. I, I prepare my mind for action, right? I get ready for that difficult life that I'm going to have. But so many Christians think when they step into the Christian life, I got my bag in hand. I'm ready to go on a journey with Christ, and that journey is going to put me in soft lights, and I'm going to sit down, and the Spirit's going to rub my back, and everything is going to be great. But the Bible says the Spirit of God is going to work in you to give you the strength. Here's words that we see all the time in the New Testament, perseverance, endurance, patience. Those are the things that get my mind ready for this. Now, I didn't know I was going to have a disabled daughter. I didn't know these difficulties were going to be residual in, in, in our lives and in her life. And my heart aches for those pains and difficulties and trials and disabilities. But that is the promise of the Christian life. You're going to have trouble, but I can help you overcome it. Think of the storm. And Lifelines is a great picture, right, of a stormy, turbulent sea. When Jesus has his disciples in that boat, and there is a storm, right? And the way we teach this in Sunday school is often, look, Jesus got up and calmed the storm. Peace be still. And the waves were calm, and they were like, wow, that's amazing. But that's really not the point of the story. We can teach some things about what we learn about Christ from that. But the point of the story is he rebuked his disciples. He said, where's your faith? Do you not have any faith? You don't trust me? And what was the statement they made? Don't you care about us? We're out here. We're going to perish. They did not trust that God had a good plan for them. They thought that the storm meant somehow God didn't love them. God didn't care for them. And Jesus says, you need to trust me in the difficult times. You need to be sure that your confidence in me is that he will work out the difficulties in the end for good. But prepare your mind for action. Get your life ready for difficulty because you're going to have it. And that's the promise of the Christian life. Now, do we find peace in the midst of the storm? Absolutely. Did Jesus have peace in the storm? He's on the cushion in the back of the stern of the boat. He's asleep. He's taking a nap. We, we can be at peace in the midst of our storms. And that's what this book is all about. Pastor Mike, earlier today I was reading a lot of the Christian sites and blogs and websites, and I see headlines like, Pastors, Mega Church Has No Cross, Jesus Never Discussed Homosexuality Publicly, says another pastor. Story after story about some of our high-profile pastors that, let's just say, in my view, they don't really teach and preach the Word of God. So some may go into their churches, and they're getting a soft gospel. Can you talk about the importance of really understanding and being taught God's Word from a strong biblical perspective? And I'll tag it with, as you were talking before about uh, the the disciples in the boat and, and thinking somehow Jesus didn't love them, how many people commit their lives to Christ under kind of like a life insurance policy where they don't understand fully salvation or repentance or the blood on the cross. And so when life gets hard, they're like, Jesus, where are you? I'm I'm committed to you, but they don't understand the word. Right. No, there's no doubt about that. Teaching the full counsel of God that has in it even the hard things like self-denial, saying no to the desires of our flesh. This whole debate going on about sexual preference and all the rest, it's as though God wants us to act on every whim, every desire, every thirst, every appetite we have. And that's a false view of God. It's not the God of the Bible. The Bible tells me that I've got lots of things in my life 
that I want to do this, that, or the other about. And God says, no, you have to say no to that. It's the same way in trials, right? I want to freak out. I want to give up. I want to be anxious. I want to worry. And God says, in the midst of the storm, deny that feeling, right? You now trust in me. Say no to anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. There is a sense in which the full counsel of God and teaching the whole counsel of what the Bible says gives me a picture of God that's much more accurate that allows me to know that what God wants for my life is not that everything in this life be pampered and fulfilled and fun, right? In this life, there's going to be difficulty. This is the great news, though. And, and some people listen to me preach that way and look at the, what the Bible says about these things, and you're always focusing on the tribulation side of all this. But listen, the good news is, and don't miss this, we're going to a place where there's no crying, no mourning, no tears, no death. The first order of things is gone. We're in a test period right now where we live in sinful bodies, fallen bodies, in a sinful fallen world. This is going to be the challenge, right? Can we get through it saying no to the passions of our lives, the desires sometimes that we want fulfilled? Does he let us fulfill a group of our desires? Sure he does. But there's a lot of things we have to fight. And, and in the Bible, we love the analogies to children, right? We're the children of God. But how often does the Bible say, right, you're a soul soldier suffer hardship as a good soldier. We're in a battle. We talk about the, the desires of the flesh waging war against the soul. Now, we've got to take the whole of Scripture. I am a child of God, and it's great to be loved as a beloved child of God. But unlike indulgent Southern California parents that don't want their kids to go through anything difficult, right? God is not a God like that. He's a God who wants us to grow up. He wants us to be strong. And he's going to use difficulty to do it. I, this morning, I got up and I read the Bible. I was reading in John 15. It says, if the vine bears fruit, okay, the branch bears fruit, right, because it's abiding in the vine, the, the vine dresser will prune it so it'll bear even more fruit, right? That doesn't sound fun, right? I don't, that doesn't sound like it's going to feel good. And, and the point is, in this life, God wants us to bear fruit for him. But just think about trying to live a godly life in an ungodly world, in an ungodly fallen body that's got appetites for you. This is going to be a struggle. The pruning process is taking place every day. And we've got to have the whole of Scripture. And you've got to be in a church, and you've got to be reading the Bible where you're reading all of it, in a church where they're teaching all of it, and you're understanding the God of the Bible, not the God of our desires. Because we can create a false God. But God, One more passage. Psalm 50, right? People were doing things, and because God didn't strike them dead immediately, they thought, well, God's like me. God's altogether like me. And God says, I'm not like you. It's just that I'm gracious in not bringing judgment immediately. I'd rather you come to repentance. As Romans 2 says, my kindness, I hope, is going to lead you to repentance. And what we need to recognize is that our, our values, our ideas, they need to be shaped by the whole of Scripture. So important. Pastor Mike has a brand new book entitled Lifelines for Tough Times, God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. And Pastor Mike, there's a few chapters that really caught my eye as it applies to pain. One is called The Pain You Can Change, Shifting the Focus Amid the Hurt, Learning to Pray Through the Pain. Would you talk about pain, the reality of pain, emotional as well, and yet... Um, I don't mean to be redundant here, but goodness gracious, we've got God's Word that points us to the answers for all of that. Right. Well, the pain you can change, I mean, there's a couple of verses in the Bible that speak so loudly to the problem 
of pain in our lives that is connected to sin in our lives. And, and we like to think, well, you know, if I'm a Christian, the problems in my life must be related just to the curse in Genesis 3 and the sinful world, the sinful body. It can't be God causing any of this. There was an interesting statement there in Psalm 51 where David speaks of the bones that God has broken in his life. Now, if you read the superscription to that psalm, you'll see this is the song he writes reflecting on his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And he's come to the place of repentance, and he looks back, and he's praying now that God would heal the bones that God has broken in his life. Talk about emotional pain. This was not physical pain. I mean, David didn't go through some kind of physical accident because of this adultery. The guilt of that had broken him inside. He he talks about in Psalm 32, the heavy hand of God was upon him. You want to talk about a depressed man? He was depressed. He was hurting in his heart. And the Bible here says, Listen, I'm ready to give you forgiveness and grant you restoration and restore to you the joy of your salvation. But you got to repent, David. And that's why God sent Nathan to David and said, listen, you got to fess up. You can't keep trying to sweep your sin under the carpet. You got to come clean. So the pain we can change. So often we, we hurt and we just say, God, fix it, fix it. And sometimes God is trying to get some voice through Nathan or some other way to say, listen, you got to see the connection between this pain and this sin in your life. And we just need to always be asking as Psalm 139 says, search me, try me, know my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me. So we've got to be honest with ourselves, knowing that God is a God, as Hebrews 12 says, who is diligent to discipline those he loves. And if he loves us and we are in some area of our lives rebelling against him and we're trying to hide it and cover it, the Bible says eventually he's going to pull out the paddle and he's going to paddle our rear end in some way. It could be emotional. It could be financial. It could be through our health. Who knows what it is? There's lots of examples in the Bible. Haggai chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There's all kinds of examples of how he does this in terms of the pain, but we need to start with that. That's why that's the second chapter of the book. We need to get quickly into, God, is there anything in my life? that may need to change? Is there some providential reason you've allowed this in my life to point out some sin in my life? So that's critical. And the Word of God helps us because now we look at the Word of God and we see it tells us there are all kinds of things in our lives that God deals with because we're looking at a passage, a principle of Scripture, and we're rebelling against it. We've got to clean that out. Confession. And God will fix that. He will restore the joy of our salvation if we come to repentance and I'm talking to Christians now, right? Not non-Christians. Repentance in Revelation 2 and 3, Christ is talking. Repent, repent, repent. And what does he say? Even in the third chapter there to the church of Laodicea, those I love, I discipline. So repent. Stop being lukewarm in that chapter so that I can bring blessing to your life and not this pain of discipline. You're listening to a special interview with Mike Fabares today on Focal Point. Pastor Mike is talking about the trials, questions, and experiences that led him to write his latest book, Lifelines for Tough Times, God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. Now, maybe you're in the midst of your own painful struggles right now, and listening to today's conversation provided some comfort. Financial, relational, or health-related storms have swept into your life, leaving chaos and confusion in their wake. It's natural to wonder why, and to even feel singled out, or that life's unfair. Well, that's something Pastor Mike addresses in his book, Lifelines for Tough Times. If you could use scriptural fortification through a stormy trial, 
It's available right now. When you give to Focal Point today, request a copy of Mike Fabares's book, Lifelines for Tough Times. Just go online to focalpointradio.org or call us at 888-320-5885. If you prefer, you can also write to Focal Point. Our address is Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. We'll send out your copy of Lifelines for Tough Times to thank you for sending in your generous financial gift to Focal Point today. Your donation makes it possible for us to reach men and women with Pastor Mike's compelling and relevant expository teaching. We hear from listeners every day who are being informed and encouraged to live out the gospel in their daily lives. And many are coming to Christ for the first time through hearing the Word of God. Thank you for blessing others by giving generously. And if you're contacting us for the very first time, we'd like to welcome you with a special gift today. We'd like to send you an encouraging CD message from Pastor Mike called God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. Now, he originally shared this message with his own congregation at Compass Bible Church. We'll send you the free CD message when you request it online at focalpointradio.org. I'm Dave Drewy inviting you to join us again on Monday when Mike Fabares continues our journey through the Book of Romans. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.